Hello and welcome to Joel Johnson's Money Wisdom. I'm John Stillman, alongside Joel Johnson, Certified Financial Planner and the CEO of Johnson Brunetti, the official wealth management partner of the Yukon Huskies. He's been published in Forbes and the Hartford Business Journal. You see him as the host of Better Money on WFSB Channel 3 on Saturday and Sunday morning news with Kara Sundlin. Also, Better Money airs in Boston on WCBV Channel 5. Joel, always a pleasure to talk with you. And really quick here at the beginning of the show, I wanted to get your thoughts on two major things that have transpired since we last talked. One of those is you know, increased election certainty, I guess you might say, in terms of a Biden administration and then the announcement of the Pfizer coronavirus vaccine. Uh, as investors, what do we need to be thinking about on both of those fronts? Well, let's talk about what a Biden administration means. I think that uh, overall we're going to see the rancor in the country calm down a little bit. I don't know if the emotions will completely go away, but I think there will be a little bit of a calming down, let's say, of rhetoric, of fighting on both sides and this is sensationalistic uh, news media that sort of wants to pick on he said, she said all the time on both sides of the aisle. So I think we'll see that calm down a little bit. Um, I'm a little concerned at some of the legislative agenda that was put out there during the campaign. Um, but at the same time, I'm not so sure that a lot of those things uh, will come to fruition. Some of the heavy, heavy regulations and, and some of the anti-business um, rancor that went on, I, I, you know, I was concerned about that. But I don't know how real that was. I think that you know, the Democratic Party obviously wants to continue to win elections. And I think if they if they put things in place that are very, very anti-business and I'm talking about the, you know, the AOC, Bernie, Elizabeth Warren type of um, initiatives, I, I think they'll get hurt. And so although some of those initiatives are valid or I should say where the where the motivation is coming from are, are problems that need to be addressed. I'm not so sure that the answers were um, the best thing for the business community. Because remember, folks, you know this isn't a business as bad type of a situation. Uh, we work for businesses. If you have a job, you work for businesses. If you are married to somebody that has a job or you have a partner that has a job, they work for a business. So we don't want businesses to completely go under. Um, but at the same time, there's a balance to everything. So it's a little bit of a long answer on the election there. But you know, I'm pretty confident, especially if Republicans hold the Senate, that our country will govern more from the middle of the road. And I must say, I'm, I'm, I'm excited about that going forward. So um, what I am hopeful for is that the uh, Georgia Senate um, as they go to a runoff, we'll, um, we'll vote Republican. I think I hope that race falls Republican, and that is not a political statement, but I would like to see that the Biden administration works with a Republican Senate. Therefore, I think we'll have to come together and, and move forward from a middle-of-the-road standpoint. The big concern for a lot of people is taxes, and there were some things said that were inaccurate, I think, by both sides when it comes to the tax agenda that was put forth by Biden. And so that's something we're keeping an eye of out for our clients. I think if taxes revert back to the way they were before uh, 2017, before the Trump tax cuts, then we'll be making some moves for our clients to protect from um, what would seem to be higher taxes, especially those that are retired. With that said, the vaccine is great news. Um, it is absolutely great news. I am 
Uh, I remember back to a time where people laughed when there were some predictions about a vaccine coming out this year. And sure enough, uh, looks like Pfizer's going forward this year, which is great news. And so let's give credit where credit is due. And I think that's going to be helpful for all of us, especially during this winter time when we're moving into a time where there looks like there need to be more restrictive um, measures taken. I think restaurants will continue to struggle and other places that are um, in business to serve the public will struggle. Um, but I think the news of the vaccine will buoy the markets and buoy the economy, which translates down to better news for our 401ks and for our long-term retirement savings. So let's keep our fingers crossed on this vaccine situation. I think we'll have two to three companies, if we are talking here six months from now, that have a vaccine and that vaccine is widely distributed to the public. I think that's really, really good news. We've got to get back to living uh, a normal life. I personally refuse to accept that this is the new normal that we are in. Um, I don't think that's the case. And I certainly don't believe the case that, you know, this country is in dark, dark days. I I don't believe that. We've been through tough times before, and um, tough times will come again, but we will pull through this. We're Americans, and I strongly believe that this is an awesome country and that this will be looked at five years from now as just a blip on the radar screen. That's not to minimize the deaths that have happened, but um, just another crisis that uh, we as America have gotten through. So it'll be interesting to see how that all unfolds, Joel. And in light of that, I'd like to talk about something. We, we've talked about this on the show before, but it's been years. Um, so I wanted to talk about the three worlds of money, understanding how those three worlds work. So when you really boil it down, there are essentially three places you can invest money. So let's talk about each of those three. Maybe let's start out. Let's not dive into the details of each, but why don't you just give us the three worlds and then we'll go explain each of them in detail. Yeah, so there are three worlds of money. One is the banking world, the other is the insurance world, and the other is the Wall Street world, or the we could call it the investment world. And these three worlds of money are very different. Again, the banking world, the insurance world, and the Wall Street world. And people get mixed up on what part of their money is in which world. And so, you know, sometimes somebody will have a whole bunch of money in the bank and they'll say that's an investment. Well, it's not. Um, sometimes somebody will say my emergency fund is all wrapped up in stocks. Uh, I would, you know, if you have a ton of money, that might be the case, but not necessarily. Um, some people get confused on the insurance world. They think insurance is an investment and it can be, um, but that gets tricky too. So three different worlds, banking world, insurance world, and Wall Street world. And we're going to kind of dissect each one here. And I want you to be thinking as we go through this, where you have your money and if you're perceiving, if your outlook on that money is really accurate, is it really where it should be or do you need to do a little bit of a reset on the way you view your money in the different worlds of money? All right. So let's uh, go through each of those three worlds. Let's start with the banking world. Uh, Joel, in your mind, what are the best uses of the banking world? What are the pros and cons of it? And then how do you sometimes see people misuse the banking world? Sure. So for most of us individuals, I'm not going to talk so much about institutions, but for most of us individuals, the banking world is a place to borrow money. And it's also a place to put short-term cash needs. So for instance, as an individual, um, and I don't anymore, Wendy and I are fortunate, but back when I was in my 30s and 40s, we had a mortgage. We went to a bank to borrow that money. 
Technically, we went to a mortgage broker, but ultimately it was a bank that loaned that money. So that was a good use of the banking world. We also had emergency money, and that was typically in the bank, in either a money market fund or in some type of savings account. And obviously, we had our checking account to pay our daily bills. That is the best use of the banking world. Short-term emergency money, short-term savings, maybe money that I'm going to need in the next one to three years. And also the ability to borrow money. And hopefully, again, when you're borrowing money, you're borrowing it for an asset that will hold its value. So borrowing for cars and things like that is not a great way to do things, um, but certainly borrowing money to buy, you know, maybe a rental property or a home, you know, in, in the place of a mortgage, getting a mortgage from the bank to buy a home. That is what the banking world is all about. Again, short-term savings and then borrowing money as an individual. So that's the banking world. Most people understand that. How do people um, misuse the bank in terms of the amount of money that they have or don't have in their savings account? Yeah, well, once people become stable and if they've had good money habits, they haven't run up a bunch of credit card debt and so on, what we will see many times is sometimes it's by default also they end up with way too much money in bank accounts. When I say way too much money, I mean much more than an emergency fund. Um, you know, I think of my dad, his default, because he's cautious with money, he's older, he's in his 80s, his default, if he's not really careful, is to have way too much money in the bank. And the problem with way too much money in the bank is it's earning hardly anything. In fact, if you factor in inflation and taxes, for the most part, you're going backwards. And so that's the big mistake that most people that are further on in life, maybe in their 50s and 60s and 70s, that's the mistake that a lot of those folks make in the banking world, which is just having too much money, not earning anything in the bank. All right. So that's the banking world. How about the insurance world, Joel? Again, what are the best uses of it? What are the pros and cons of it? And what are the misuses that you see? So this is going to sound really simple, but it's amazing how many people either don't get this or forget this. The insurance world is a place where we shift risk away from ourselves onto an insurance company. Now, why do I say that? Because you probably say, well, duh, Joel, everybody knows that. Well, let's, let's walk through this. So again, the insurance world is a place where you shift risks. Now, the common example of that, everybody has car insurance. You have car insurance so that if you drive into the side of somebody, uh, not only are you protected from a liability standpoint, but their car gets fixed and hopefully your car gets fixed. So that's car insurance, right? We have auto insurance in case our house burns down or there's a slip and fall lawsuit uh, on our home. We might have other types of insurance. So that is the insurance world. We're shifting risk. And so a lot of times people say, well, I don't like insurance companies while they pay their auto and home premium. It's just, a I don't understand that mentality. And because there are so many insurance companies out there, for the most part, the market dictates competitive rate. So that's the insurance world. Obviously, health insurance is another area of the insurance world, which I would I would argue is broken. Our health insurance system is is probably one of the better in the world, but it's still a problem as far as the amount of premiums that most families pay. Um, but that is the insurance world as far as shifting risk. Now, there is part of the insurance world that also is investment oriented because I can take my money and insure against loss in the market I can insure against running out of money in retirement. And some of those vehicles, some of those tools look like investments. For instance, I have a 
pretty good amount of life insurance in a trust. It's cash value life insurance. My return on that cash value is pretty darn good, but I have that because I want a guaranteed death benefit when I die. And I also want insurance against that money going down if the market goes down and I want some tax protection. So it begins to look like an investment, but it's really the core at the core, it's insurance. Because if I was doing that in a pure investment world, I would make more money. I could lose more money, but I would make more money. So again, what have I done there? I've shifted risk away from me to an insurance company. And it's that simple. Some people bash annuities, but what is an annuity? It's an insurance contract. It shifts risk away from me to an insurance company. If you retire from a company and you're getting a monthly pension, that is an insurance contract. Usually the company that you work for has shifted risk away from them and onto an insurance company to guarantee those payments. And so that's just simply the insurance world. It always involves some kind of shift of risk. And so although you can take investments and wrap them in a risk program that is part of insurance, you have to understand that it's insurance first and investment second, or at least it's equal, equal insurance and equal investments. And again, I own products that are investment products that are in the insurance world. I have savings. And so I'm using both of those worlds, but I want to encourage you to rethink the way you're using those worlds and make sure you're doing it appropriately. The older someone gets, the typically they want to insure more of their money and more of their lives because they've gotten to a place where they don't want to take so much risk that they go backwards in life. Okay, so let's then finally talk about the, probably the main world that most people are familiar with. We talked about the banking world. You talked about the insurance world. How about the Wall Street world? Obviously, that's a place to invest. What are the pros and cons, and how do people misuse it? So the pros are you can make money. You can put money into something, whether it's a stock, a bond, a mutual fund, um, some kind of private equity deal or uh, a hedge fund. I have a little bit of money in a hedge fund and uh, you can make money and you can also lose money. And that's actually the definition of a security. It's something where you can put your money in and you can make money or lose money. The advantages of the Wall Street world is many of the tools, stocks, bonds that you buy um, are liquid which means I can change my mind today. Right now, I have some money in stocks, and when the market's open, I could sell those stocks immediately. I might not get the price I want. Um, I might take a loss. I might take a profit, but it's very, very liquid. So much of the Wall Street world is liquid, meaning I can change gears anytime I want. I can lose money. I can make money. And many times, the expenses or the amount of money it's costing me, sometimes I don't see those costs, but that amount of money it's costing me to be in the Wall Street world is a lot less than having my money in the insurance world or the banking world. So again, the three worlds here, the banking world, short-term money and borrowing works good for that. The insurance world where I'm shifting risk away from me, and it could be in a form of an investment or also in the form of just homeowners, auto insurance. And then the Wall Street world where I can make a lot of money or I can lose a lot of money. And generally speaking, if we think of our lives as a financial pyramid, the bottom, the foundation of that should be banking and insurance, shifting risk and having emergency money. And then there should be sort of the middle of the pyramid moving our way up. And that should be, if we're in retirement, certain investments, maybe certain insurance product that create income for us to live on. And then the top would be, again, the Wall Street world where I can put my money and it's set up for long-term growth for an inflation hedge. Understanding though that that 
world, Wall Street world, typically involves time, and I shouldn't put money there if I want to use it in the next, let's just say, one to three years. I should have that money in more shorter term things. And so I live in all three of those worlds with my money. Almost all of our clients live in all three of those worlds. But many times when somebody comes to us and they're not a client, they come in for that consultation that we talk about all the time, and we look at their money, they have gotten their worlds all screwed up. You know, they have bank accounts and they think that's an investment. Um, they have money in mutual funds, but that's supposed to be for short-term emergency needs. Um, they have insurance products where the fees are really high and it's not working like an investment, but they thought it was an investment. So it's real important when you get a consultation that you understand these worlds, that you deal with a fiduciary, by the way, so they're legally obligated to work in your best interest, not just a stockbroker who works in a totally different standard, and that you get a feel for where your money is in these worlds and whether you have shortcomings in one world or the other, because that's where you get hurt if you have shortcomings in one of the three money worlds. So when you come in for that review, well, I guess we should talk about that. The Money Map Retirement Review. How do people make that happen for themselves? Yeah. So when somebody comes in for a consultation, first of all, it's it's no pressure. And um, we can do this also by uh, video um, on the computer. Obviously, in today's day and age, some people more, feel more comfortable with that. Most of our clients we want to meet, but we don't necessarily meet, need to meet somebody during a pandemic. So we are seeing people in person, but it's whatever they feel comfortable with. But the purpose of that meeting is twofold. One is for us to give you a different view of your money, of your investments. Probably something very unique that you haven't seen before. The second is to do an income analysis, a retirement income analysis, so we make sure that you have enough money to last for the rest of your life, and you know when you leave our office what rate of return you need on your money. That's that income analysis. So right now, give us a call or text us Let's set up a time where we can do that review with you to look at where your money is in these three worlds, banking world, insurance world, and Wall Street world, and then let us do an analysis for you so you leave that conversation that we have with you with either peace of mind, knowing you're going to be in good shape, that you're okay, or with some strategies to make sure you're in a better spot for your retirement goals. Again, no obligation. Not everybody becomes a client. That's okay. We've been blessed as a firm. We want to serve you. So, Give me a call right now. Let's set up a time. It's 1-800-705-1232. Again, 1-800-705-1232. Let's make sure we know exactly where your money fits, banking, insurance, or Wall Street world, and are you going to be okay for the rest of your life? Give us a call, 1-800-705-1232. You can also just text that number. Make sure when we visit with you, you get a copy of one of my books. I've written books on pensions. I've written books on getting laid off or being forced to retire early. I've also got a book, my most recent one, called The People's Retirement Handbook. You'll want a copy of that. Um, It's a great book that talks about a lot of personal stories that Wendy and I have gone through um, as we've built our future in the world of finance. So if you'd like to get that review for yourself, the number to call is 800-705-1232. That's 800-705-1232. No cost or obligation. Come in, sit down, get your money map retirement review from the team at Johnson Brunetti. 800-705-1232. Joel, before we get out of here today, let's answer a few questions from the mailbag. We'll start with Roy, who says, my IRA has only made 7% this year, but the overall market has made more than that. Do I need to fire my broker? Well, Roy, you're making one of the mistakes that many people make, which is comparing your returns with the S&P 500 returns, because most of the time when people say the overall market, they mean the Standard & Poor's 500 index, the 500 largest companies. You have to be real careful of that. 
most retirees should not have all their money exposed to the S&P 500 because the top five companies in the S&P 500 make up about 20% of the S&P 500 and they're all tech companies. Amazon, Google, now called Alphabet, Apple, Microsoft, these are the types of companies that make up a huge amount of the S&P 500 index and those can go up and you can make a lot of money or they can go down very quickly. So it doesn't mean you shouldn't compare, but for you, I can tell where the question is coming from, Roy, and I would suggest to you that it's coming from the wrong place. Your money needs to be invested to meet your needs, and we've got to get away from this. So many people in the U.S. do this, from this comparison. How am I doing compared to X? Many times it's how am I doing compared to the S&P 500? How am I doing compared to my friends up the street? How am I doing compared to you know the guy that I talk to randomly in the grocery store that says he made 50% on a stock? in the last year. You know, it's kind of funny, Roy. I My kids, uh, they started investing. They were relatively young and they'll come to me and they go, dad, I made 80% on a stock in six months. And <laughs> I try to explain to them, son, you invested $500 and you got $900. So you made 80% on a stock. Wait till that's 50,000 and see how you feel when it goes the wrong way. Because that's what happens is you become a responsible saver. Losses hurt a lot more than gains and people realize they just want a reasonable rate of return. So be careful about comparing, Roy. It's really, really important that you invest for your needs, for your long-term needs. And you know what? If you have enough money to meet your long-term needs, to make sure that you've got enough money to last for the rest of your life and there's extra left over, then go ahead and do some speculation if you feel right about that. But make sure you are taken care of first. I've heard a lot of great football and basketball coaches say that uh, the losing hurts worse than the winning feels good. And so it sounds like it can often be like that with investing. I can tell you from personal experience, you know, when you take a loss, I've taken some losses. That money will never, I will never get that money back. You know, I get other money back. I, I make gains and I feel like, oh, okay, well, it offsets the loss. But those big losses, they hurt. And many times that money's gone forever. And what I mean by that is this, the opportunity cost on losing that money is just gone. And many times people get to the end of a 10 or 20 year period and they look at it and they go, I've netted a 7% rate of return after costs and maybe even after taxes. That's not bad because most people that we talk to are good savers. They've saved enough. They just need a reasonable rate of return and they get hurt. I would say many times in, in one of two ways. One is they have unrealistic expectations um, and they're speculating too much or they work with a broker that doesn't have as much money as they do and is much, much younger and has no idea what it's like to work for 30 or 40 years save a bunch of money, make the sacrifices and that you just need a reasonable rate of return. So they're going to talk to you about when to buy Amazon and so on, which may or may not be right. Um, but the perspective many times is not there with a younger broker. All right. So good question, Roy. How about one from Rebecca? Rebecca says, I have four different investment accounts, a 401k at work, an IRA, a Roth IRA, and something that's just labeled as individual account. Which one should I withdraw from first when I retire in a few months and I need income? You are asking the right question, Rebecca. And the answer to that is I need to know more about your individual situation, your tax situation, and so on. But the fact that you're asking the question, which account should I withdraw from first? Congratulations from that because that's a twofold answer. One, part of the answer is a tax question because typically when you get to retirement, you have a choice and it's paying more taxes now so you can pay less later or deferring taxes now and 
either passing money on to my kids and letting them worry about the taxes or saying, well, I might be in a lower tax bracket in the future, so I'll pay taxes in the future. So it's it's a tax answer. Um, that's part of the answer. The other part of the answer is how are those accounts set up? Are some of them set up to maybe generate a fantastic income for the next five to seven years, but you're not going to get a lot of growth? Maybe you should withdraw from that account first and leave the growth-oriented, maybe higher-risk accounts alone so that you can have time, which is one of your most valuable things, when you have higher risk accounts, so you can have time working for you. So impossible question, Rebecca, for me to answer without knowing the rest of your situation. But congratulations for asking that. A lot of people don't even ask that question. They just blindly go into retirement and pull money out of the most convenient account first. So great question indeed. Uh, the Money Map Retirement Review can help you get the answers to questions just like that. So Joel, let's give folks a chance to come in for that review one more time before we depart today. Yeah, and once again, just to be clear what that review is like, we want to do an income analysis. Every one of you, even if you're already retired, needs to do, especially after the last four years, you need to make sure that you're going to be okay for the rest of your life. So come on in. We'll give you a money map. It's customized to you, but also it's really important you get your own custom income analysis. Make sure you're not taking too much risk. Make sure you're going to have enough money to last for the rest of your life. And in that income analysis, you'll find out what rate of return you need to average to be okay for the rest of your life. Call now 1-800-705-1232. Make sure when you visit with us, you get a copy of one of my books. One of the favorites right now is the People's Retirement Handbook because of all the personal stories it has about me and Wendy, my mom and dad, my grandparents. You'll get a lot out of it. But make sure you come in, get your income analysis, get that money map retirement review. Again, text the number 1-800-705-1232. Leave your first name. We'll get back to you and we'll set up a time. Or you can just call 1-800-705-1232. Call or text. Couldn't be any easier for you. 800-705-1232. That's 800-705-1232. No cost or obligation to come in for your own Money Map Retirement Review. Thanks so much for listening to Joel Johnson's Money Wisdom. We'll talk with you again right here, same time, same place. One more time as we go. That number to call, 800-705-1232. Have a great week. Money Wisdom is sponsored by Johnson Brunetti. Investment advisory services offered through JB Capital LLC, a registered investment advisor. Insurance products offered through JN Financial LLC. Johnson Brunetti is a paid sponsor of the Yukon Huskies athletic program. Better Money is sponsored by Johnson Brunetti.